I just love being outside. There's so many things to do this time of the year. I don't want to spend a lot of time cooking. And that's why I love Factors. No prep, no mess meals. Head to Factormeals.com slash Bands50 and use the code Bands50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Bands50 at Factormeals.com slash Bands50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Last week, I got invited to speak to a class at Hollins University. Hollins University is one of the oldest female-only institutions of higher learning in the country. It was founded 180 years ago, and I had only vaguely heard of it. it was, it's near Roanoke, Virginia, and so my friend Rashonda Pratt was invited to speak to this class. No men. Not the teacher, not the students, nobody. One non-binary student. Let's say there's 15, 18 students. And the class was about listening. And she said, oh, you have to have my friend Stuart Watson. So I came to the class and I said, listen, these students had a podcast that they're producing. And I said, they said, will you be on our podcast? I said, you'd be happy to, but I want to air <laughs> what you said. I want, you know, I want to our conversation, because it's an important conversation on our air. And so that's what we're doing this week, is Roshanda Pratt, who helped me with the developmental producing of this podcast, um, invited me to be part of this Zoom call. And so this podcast that they're doing is for a podcast that comes out next month called Listening for Life, and it's part of their sort of class project. And the professor is Heather Toro Derrick. And the woman you'll hear first, who's the primary interviewer, she's interviewing me, by the way, is Emma Thomas. And then there's a woman, Keegan Clark, who's a legacy. Her mother went there. And Mars Titus, who is non-binary. So we get into that whole conversation about whether men are just inherently worse listeners, they can't learn to listen, or whether, you know, there's hope that it's part of uh, socialization. So anyway, I think it's interesting. I think it's fascinating. Hope you enjoy. Because I know who I am, like I know what I am. You know, I spent years trying to figure it out, so I'm good. Not everybody is. What is the sound of one man listening? This is Man Listening a fresh podcast featuring the stories of strong women who bounce back. Man listening, because every woman deserves to be heard. Hi, I'm Stuart Watson, and welcome to Man Listening. You're about to hear a really interesting conversation in which I try not to dominate the conversation, but to flip the switch and interview the interviewers. But they start out talking to me in this class, which they call, it has a highfalutin college title, gendered socialization and listening. It's basically, do men have to be terrible listeners or can we actually learn? That's been the whole premise of this podcast. And so thank you to everyone, especially to Emma Thomas for putting up with my shenanigans. Here's Emma. I'm going to take a little bit of a page out of your book because I've been listening to your podcast all weekend, Man Listening, and I love it. Can I ask where you were born? I was born in Macon, Georgia, but my birth certificate says Albany, Georgia, because I was adopted. So I was born in Macon Hospital in Macon, Georgia. 
All right, thank you for sharing that with us. And I guess that kind of leads into, do you have any siblings? I have uh, one adopted sibling, uh, Liz, she's two years younger, and I have two biological siblings, one deceased, her name was Esther, and I have a brother, Andy, and he lives in Western New York State. Right. So and they're all younger. I'm the, I'm, I'm number one. Baby. You're number one. <laughs> they're number two. <laughs> so I guess we'll give you a little bit of a background about what this episode is going to be about and kind of what we're asking from you here. So in our class on listening, we read the book, You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy. And she mentions just kind of offhanded in chapter 12, that there's this general perception that women are better listeners than men. We kind of wanted to explore that and see how socialization, especially gendered socialization, affects our listening skills, which is why we wanted to have you on. I feel like you're kind of the expert on man listening with the podcast and everything. Oh, no, I'm trying to learn from you. You're not putting that on me, Emma. Well, okay, I will try not to put it on you, but can I ask a little bit about how you personally listen? Like, what's your current listening process? I appreciate that, and it is. It's a technique, right? So one thing is I try my best, and it's getting harder and harder to talk to people in person, even if they're wearing a mask, uh, because I think, and the book you're referring to, You're Not Listening, is, is wonderful, it talks about this. We gather more when we can see people, when their lower face is not masked or when they're not in a little box on video and I'm looking at them on the cell phone. We glean more when we're in person because we pick up all kinds of things from that. And so I try the best I can to be in person. I try not to have anything between me and the person, like to sit across a desk from someone or to hold up a clipboard in front of me. I try not to fold my arms or even cross my legs. I sit in an open posture. Um, I don't wanna do anything to say that I'm blocking what you have to say to me. And then uh, the other thing I do is I try to look them directly in the eye. In American culture or Western culture, uh, that is respectful to look someone in the eye. And if I keep looking away or looking down or looking up in a way or shifting my eyes and only glancing at your eyes, it's seen as not trustworthy. So even if the person, all women in this case, one girl and all the rest women, even if they look around or they shift their eyes, I want them when they come back to know that I'm always looking at them. I'm always engaged. Uh, and then there's some other things that have to do with the content of the conversation, but that's the technique that I use. So it sounds like you kind of base your technique around openness, being engaged, and just making yourself very receptive to whatever they have to say. Right. And I want you to know that you can, you can trust me with the truth, that I'll be open and honest and the word is vulnerable, but you know, I'm willing to tell you some things I'm not proud of. And then that way, you know that you can trust me with that information. And also, unlike journalism, which I did for more than three decades, in the, in the podcast, if somebody calls me up and goes, oh, no, 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 don't use this, I won't use it. Um, I don't push back. I don't say, well, 
please or whatever. I don't, and I won't, you know, it's not like the rules of journalism. They own their story. If they don't want any of it used, I, I won't use it. Uh, that is really interesting that your focus is kind of always on the other person and their comfort. Is that what I'm gathering? Is that right about your listening style? Right. It's their story. I'm asking them to tell their story. And what I've noticed when I started doing that was in journalism, we really went out like looking for characters. We were almost like, it was almost like casting a play. We weren't as open to what their story was. And so sometimes women will just correct me. No, you've got it wrong. It's not that way. And so I don't try to force them into my narrative. I'm open to being wrong. Like, okay, I've got that wrong. I apologize. Set me straight. Tell me what's correct about that. You kind of say that this was a shift, definitely in your website about your podcast. And just now you said when you started to listen like that, because you, I think you said that your wife kind of gently lets you know that you weren't the listener that you thought you were. Um, before you started the Man Listening Podcast. So I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of insight into what's going on in your, or what was going on in your mind. Like, did you think that you were listening? What, what changed? Well, think about it. I started my first job, paying job in local TV news in 1983. So we're talking about almost 40 years. So that's almost two generations. I was just about coming out of film. So we were the first generation to use magnetic tape, and now they don't even use that. Now think about how much has changed generationally. I mean, the show itself, Man Listening, it's binary, right? There are men and there are women, and there's a problem with men being able to listen to women or men being able to listen period or people being able to listen and so that problem is very much a cultural phenomenon and so now everybody is having to try to learn to listen better and so remember in your class when I asked everybody who thinks the problem with men listening to women is because of biology, is because of testosterone, right? Nobody raised their hand, not a single person. And then I said, who thinks it's because of culture, you know, nature, the way, the way, we're, the way we're raised? Um, I didn't say the patriarchy, but I think it was implied. And everybody, all them, and keep in mind the class, correct me if I'm wrong, there may be some non-binary, but almost like 100% women, right? Have I got that right, Emma? Uh, yes, we actually have one non-binary individual, and that's Mars, but I'm pretty sure the rest are identifying as women. Okay, and so it would be accurate to say there were no men in the class, no one who identified as a man. Not to my knowledge, no. Okay, so that's very interesting to me anyway, is like because, and also it's a sign of hope because it means like I can't change, well, I suppose I can, I could take testosterone shots or something like that, but 
I have the amount of testosterone I have without altering it. Like to me, it's, it's almost like fixing the software is kind of, is um, more available. I could be wrong about that. I would love to hear what Morris has to say about that, but I mean, I, I really would. Uh, they don't have to speak, but you know, I'm open because I have a problem. I have all the boomer problems, right? I have the gender, you know, binary. I have the, the pronoun problems. I've, I have a hard time. And so I could just be doubling down on digging in my heels, but I want to learn, like I want to grow. I'm almost 63. And I, I think that there's still some growth and changing to be done there. Yeah, I want to give Mars a chance right now just to confirm or deny. Would you like to say anything on that topic? Honestly, I think it would be a long process, but it definitely does give me hope that society can change, that society has changed in many numerous ways. And it, it does give me hope, but if, if there were some magical pill or something that could just fix everything like that would be cool but honestly like the more realistic route you know change how we think about things and how we relate to certain subjects and how we listen you know and that's really the only way we're going to see some real change is if we try and it's it's gotten better I do think that we've gotten better as a society as a whole and We've gotten better at communication. We've gotten better at listening, but there's still many ways to go. And so honestly, I think if there were something like that, that would be great, <laughs> but it's really up to us to fix the problem. And when you say us- um, Society, okay, like everybody. So everybody, it's, so irrespective yeah. of gender identification or generational, it's like, not up to you, boomers, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you made it, you fix it, you broke it, you fix it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's honestly up to everybody because if, if only one generation does something or only one group of people does something, there's not going to be a real change. But if everybody works together to try to listen better, to try to make the world a better place, then in turn, it will get better indefinitely. So, Mars, what are your pronouns? They, them. When someone slips and they say she, what do you do? I say, oh, I go by they, them. And then if they, like, start apologizing or just say, oh, no, it's fine. It's just best to, like, say sorry and then move on. Have you had anyone uh, double down or start eye rolling or sighing or arguing? Yes. And in that case, I just kind of, I just kind of try to understand, even though I don't understand, I I try to be respectful. I try to know that people come from different lives and everything. And even if it's, it's something that I disagree with, and it's not right, and I'll say that it's not right, I still try to be respectful and understand the differences, whether it's cultural, whether it's, you know, just an age thing or something, but I still don't think it's okay, you know, and I'll say that to my friends, like, that's not okay behavior, but, 
when I'm in the presence of them, I just kind of suck it up, which I guess isn't really okay. Well, I can tell you a little story if you're open to it. When I was in like junior high, like uh, middle school, and we had a coach and the coach taught geography. And the coach decided that he would willy nilly to be cute, he would assign little nicknames to people. And so if you said, my name's Stuart, well, I had a heart arrhythmia and I couldn't play on the basketball team. So I was worthless to him, you know, didn't matter how good I was in geography. And so he said, um, well, I'm gonna start calling you heartbeat. So, okay, heartbeat. So he was being cute, right? And the rest of the class, because he's the authority figure, well, it's just fundamentally disrespectful and borderline bullying to take somebody who has like a physical disability and start calling them by that as a nickname. And nowadays you would never do that. And so yeah. if, if somebody says, I'd like you to call me Stuart and you say, oh, but it's okay if I call you Stubob, right? Or Stewie Wooey, or you remind me of, <laughs> you remind me of uh, baby stew on, you know, on Family Guy, so I'm gonna call, start calling you Baby Stew. You know that'll be okay, right? Well, no, it's not all right. I've asked you to what what me to call me, and so I think when people understand it that way, like if someone's name's William, and they say call me William, and say I'm gonna call you Willie, like no, that's not okay. We know that's not okay. You know, like if you meet somebody and they say I like I'd like you to call me Mr. Jones. I'm, I'm Mr. Jones, then you call him Mr. Jones, you know, yeah. uh, unless you're going to disrespect what they, and so if somebody says, please refer to me as they and them, then I can choose to respect that, or I can not respect, it. I can disrespect it, and launch into some diatribe out of how, well, you, you just don't understand, I'm from a different era, you know, I'm from the Paleozoic <laughs> era, you know, <laughs> We thought yeah. it was okay to just go around and, you know, no. Yeah, I definitely no, we... agree. I definitely agree. There is no excuse. Like, it doesn't really matter. But I still try to, like, and I know it's wrong. Like, it's not really okay to, like, do this. But I try to respect everyone, even the people that don't really deserve it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, that's when it's hardest, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's but I feel like if you do respect everybody, or at least try to get along, and then, but but also like try to cut those people out of your life, you know. But try not to like start make an enemy, you know. You're gonna have a much easier life than someone who's just going around, you know, being like, "I'm gonna get into fights with everyone over everything." And also, it's like for me, if somebody just refuses to do that because they're just a jerk I'm just gonna say okay they're a jerk it's when they do that to someone else that I'm like okay now it's time to like <laughs> pull my hair back and start a fight because that's when you kind of choose because you've got to choose your battles and for me I'm a very confident person I know who I am I know what my gender is if someone disrespects me it's not going to hurt me very much because I know who I am I know what I you know, like, I know what I am. And, you know, I've spent years trying to figure it out. So I'm, I'm good. 
not everybody is, you know, and if you go after my little introverted friend, that's just having a really bad day, I'm going to be like, yeah, no, fuck off. Like, (laughs) go away, leave my friend alone, you know, honestly, because it's, it's not okay. It's not okay. And if it's me, it's, it's still not okay, but it's a lot easier for me to handle that kind of stuff because I've handled it my entire life and I've got thick skin, but not everyone does. And that's why it's important for me to say, you know, just, no, (laughs) you can't do that to this person. You can't treat this person like that. I appreciate you standing up. I think in most cultures, standing up for the underdog, you know, against bullies, humans recognize that. That's a human impulse. And ironically, it's an impulse on the part of some really testosterone-driven he-men, you know, to stick up for the person who's being picked on. Um, so it's interesting to, you know, to, to call out bullying that it's not sort of quote unquote political correctness. It's just straight up being disrespectful and inconsiderate. Sorry to, oh, I sorry. hijacked your conversation there. <laughs> no, apologize. it is a really no, interesting no, conversation. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I want to make sure we don't keep you in the parking lot too, too long. So uh, okay. Gonna... okay, yeah, we'll get back to. I'm so sorry. That's it, but thanks Mars, I appreciate yes, it. Thank you for sharing. Of course. We just talked a lot about culture right there and before, and it seems like you kind of share the view that our class voted for, I guess, that it is predominantly a cultural or nurture thing that separates the listening skills of men and women. So I kind of wanted to ask, has have you actually like observed that? I know that you were a journalist for 30 years, you've interviewed a lot of people, especially in the past year or two, you've interviewed a lot of women. So I kind of wanted to get a sense from you. Do you, did you observe that? Were women typically better listeners when you were interviewing them or was something else the case? Well, I'm trying to listen to them. It's, it's not up to them to listen to me. I noticed that when I give, when I basically invite women to tell me when I did not listen, when I got something wrong, um, they were like, oh boy, this is going to be fun. <laughs> you know? Everybody wants to play the game, you know. There were some interviews, and, you know, especially like if I talked to my daughters or if I talked to my wife, if I talked to people who are really close to me, my sister, um, there's a sense you have this much history. So I'm not really hearing it from the first time. And And so it's a question of how quickly I go into, yeah, yeah, I know this. Yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, how much I assume as opposed to being open to what it is. So a journalist might say something like, oh, that must have been scary. Whereas I might say, uh, what was that like? Or, therapists who deal with somatic experience, I'm going to see one in just a few minutes, they will say, okay, in your body, what did that feel like in your body? And if somebody says, well, I was terrified, I will say, "Um, yeah, 
and in your body, what did you feel? And that's actually a pretty good journalist question because instead of just using the shorthand, I was terrified. Um, my heart was racing and I, and I just, I, I threw up. Suddenly I threw up um, or suddenly I, I just, I wet myself, you know, I soiled myself. Then all of a sudden, wow, oh my God, there's a raw human experience that we can all relate to. Um, as opposed to assuming what happened or what must have happened based upon my own experience. My final question um, is, do you think that this new, like, sensitive listening that you've kind of described is something that is very different from the way men are taught to listen or interact in conversation? Or do you think it's just, you know, a product of, a lot of experience, now you know how to sensitively listen. I think some men have always known how to do this. I'm tempted to generalize that men who have a bunch of older sisters, you know, my son has three older sisters and no brothers. And I think he is a much, much better listener than I am. Um, part of that is generational. And part of it is um, because of his experience. I had one sister and I grew up in a completely different era in the baby boom era. So I'm hopeful, you know, I'm hopeful. And I love the work your class is doing. Thank you for that. You have 10 more minutes. Can I ask one other question? Of course. You're obviously very bright. You go to a very good school. It has a very interesting history. You could go to a school which is quote unquote co-ed. Um, you, you could go to a wide variety of places. You have obviously been intentional in making the choice to go to a school which is a historically an all women's school. Why did you decide to go to a school and be in a classroom with um, no men? Keegan, are you up for that question? Uh, yes, of course. Um, so I'm actually a legacy. My mom went to this school. Um, and so my entire life, she's kind of told me all these great things and about all the traditions and kind of just about like the environment. And like, it's cheesy to say, but the community feel that like there is here is the reason that I wanted to go. Um, I figured it would be a lot more comfortable. Obviously it's historically women's, it's not all women. Um, but to go to a place where it's historically women because I don't know, it's more, I feel like it's more comfortable for me at least in like a place where we're all very like-minded, I believe. Well, no, there's obviously the gender factor, which not all of us identify as. I think that it's very important to kind of emphasize that. But I, yeah, that's why I chose to go here instead of anything else, I think. In high school, were there, did you go to uh, all girls high school or did you go to co-educational high school? Um, I went to a co-ed. Um, I just went to the public school in my area. And what, if anything, is the difference in the way classroom discussion takes place when there are no men? What, if any, difference do you notice? Um, I definitely do think there is a difference. I don't know. It's hard to, like, describe. Um, I feel like we are more on topic, but at the same time, we get way faster off topic than I did <laughs> in my high school. <laughs> um, I feel like 
like when we need to get work done, we get work done. But when we have that extra time, we definitely like go off on a tangent about something super random that just doesn't pertain to the class. And I've kind of noticed that in every single one of my classes. <laughs> and we didn't really do that um, in my high school or in my middle school and everything like that. So I think that's definitely a difference. Um, and I just, the, the classroom environment, I feel like people are more um, apt to speak up in this school than like we were in my high school. Like I, I raised my hand more in classes here than I did ever in my high school. Oh, okay. Emma, why <laughs> do you go to, is it not all uh, no men at Hollins? Are there men there now? There are some graduate students who are men. Um, I had one in a class previously last semester. Um, and for me, I go for kind of a similar reason to Keegan. I went to a co-ed public school. I'm actually from the Roanoke area, but I didn't really know about Hollins until I was in my, um, I went to Virginia Western Community College first. And I will say there's just a lot more like checking in and participation. Everybody wants to make sure we're all on the same page and everybody wants to hear from everybody else. There's not just one person dominating or like a class clown in the back cracking jokes. Like, yeah, we have our moments where we socialize and have a little bit of fun. But for the most part, we are focused on learning together, which is what I really like about Hollins. And I was about to get to a really good, important thing, which is uh, somebody who's, let's say, shy or soft-spoken or reticent or you know, I know men who are this way, who they can sit in a room for, you can be in a meeting with them dozens of times, and I've never heard these men speak up, even though they're very bright and have a lot to add, they just, they don't want to put themselves out there. Why do you think that, that there are more people who speak and, and there's less likely to have one person dominating discussion in an all in a in a let's just put it this way a no men environment i think the main difference is there is a genuine focus on pulling in quieter voices especially in the communication classes like the one we're taking um, a lot of professors will have kind of roundtable discussions and they try to balance it so whether it's students balancing it or the professor balancing it someone is always going to ask like, oh, hey, what did you think about this? Directing it to the person who's having some trouble breaking in so that they have the opportunity to speak as well. So it's more just like direct attention than I've ever experienced in a classroom. That's interesting. And I'm wondering, do you connect that with like a gender dynamic? I think it's probably down to, we have something called the culture of care. Um, and I think that we care about our studies and each other, and that shows in our discussions. Oh my God, that's how refreshing. Mars, tell me your building's not on fire. It is not. Okay, I don't hear an ear piercing. So <laughs> what do you think? What's your take? Why'd you go to Hollins? I went for several reasons. Um, one being safety, as I remember hearing about a certain poll, an anonymous poll, that terrified me to my core. It was only targeted towards men in college being recorded, but it was basically saying, if you could take advantage of a woman and get away with it, would you? And apparently one out of three, which is around 33% of men said they would. 
which was just terrifying to me. <laughs> and that was one of the reasons, one of the huge reasons why I felt I would be a lot safer at an all women's college. And another reason was because of there has been numerous studies and statistics that apparently women do better when learning alongside other women without men. And what's ironic about that is that men do better when learning aside women. <laughs> they don't do better without women, but we do better just around women. And so that's why I wanted to get that opportunity to really further my education, to really speak out and also feel safe at the same time while doing it. And it's really, Hollins has really given me that opportunity. I am. There's a lot there because there are a lot, there's an increasing amount of research that shows um, diverse people lead to diverse thinking. And we need all the diverse thinking we can get nowadays. I talked to a woman um, who is Muslim uh, for the podcast. And she's the one who told me about that. You know, at some point, we don't need just the loudest voice in the room. We need all the voices in the room to really be hearing each other. Um, and so to that end, I, I very much admire what you're doing. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Emma. That's been delightful. And Mars, thank you so very much. I. I always learn. Thank you. So if you want to hear their version, their cut down version, which will be half the length of this, look for a podcast middle next month called Listening for Life, which is being released by these students, which I think is perfectly wonderful. And I really appreciate them having me on there. I hope we can talk to their professor. I'm going to try to talk to her later on. Thanks so much. Man Listening is a production of Unmediated LLC in cooperation with the Queen City Podcast Network and Balto Creative Media. Allison Andrews at Andrews Creative and Rachel Clapp Miller are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins and Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Catherine Smith. That's me. Please go to our Patreon page. You'll find us at patreon.com. Look for Man Listening, one word, no spaces. We hope you'll join us by becoming a member. A small investment can raise up the conversation. If you want exclusive member merch, like a t-shirt, we can arrange that too. Some of you know I'm doing this kind of listening to people's life stories professionally. Now, at a place called Voice Locket voicelocket.com and I would love for you to be a client to talk to the people to preserve these voices to preserve the stories of the people who go before us our grandparents our parents those kinds of you know amazing family stories that we can capture on audio and video crystal clear 4k video there's something magical about this I just booked another couple of these interviews today and so I really want to come and be your your archivist your librarian the 
person who preserves this for your family so you can own your story. VoiceLocket.com. Check it out. Don't forget to support us at Patreon. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks.